Good morning, USA. Yo, 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 Yes, it's Tuesday. Yes. <sighs> tough week. It's tough here in New York City in, in the tri-state area. The weather's disgusting. It's about 48 degrees. It's, it's 20 been degrees below increase. normal. Yes, it's disgusting out here. Well, maybe sooner than later, people will start taking climate change uh, seriously. Because if you don't think climate change is a real thing at this point in the game, then I don't know what game you're paying attention to. My goodness. It's, it's the disgusting. middle of May in New York City, the New Jersey area, and it's still cold. You still got on hoodies. <laughs> you know, and, long I, and I don't know what's going on with sanitation because New York is disgusting right mm-hmm. now. I was just walking walking over here from the parking lot and there's trash and garbage everywhere. Um, that's been New York since the day I got here. And that's even I mean, worse though. I didn't, get, I, didn't get in, I didn't get in. I didn't get in until 2006. But New York's always been a trashy place, if you ask me. You go to so many different other places. It's so clean, so neat. They take care of their city. New York is just disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> hey, wonder where, wonder where. It makes you wonder where your tax dollars are going, right? Yeah, pretty much. Listen, somebody got to feed the rats. Rats in New York are big as hell. All right. If it wasn't for the trash, what would the rats eat? I don't know. Whoops. Well, last night I had a long night. Of course, yesterday we celebrated my uh, 18th year anniversary, me and the wife. Yes, hey. congratulations again. We went, we got massages, and uh, we went to a nice restaurant, and then we just had a lot of sex. So it was great. Great, 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 great. <laughs> so your legs, you, you got a weak legs this morning. My knee hurts like a mother, man. I ain't even going to front. My knee hey, hurts, man. my back hurts. Once you get up over 40, boy, sex, sex especially after midnight, is... is very strenuous task. That was how I getting up this morning. Well, yesterday I got a chance to hang out with Lizzo. You know, I love her. She just did lip service, so that'll be out on Friday. And then I hosted this braid battle. Shout out to Mimi. She she does gears here. Yeah, Mimi does gears here. She Shout does the braids for gears here. So I hosted this braid battle. It was really fun to see all these very talented stylists working on, you know, different competitions with the braids and everything. Yeah, she gets busy. Gia is Envy's wife. Yeah, Gia's my wife. For and those she, who may just be joining us. And she also does uh, my son. She uh, cornrows my son's hair as well. She's actually going to be at the car show this year, and she's going to be braiding people. If you need hair braid during the car show, maybe women or kids or whatever, she's going to be braiding hair during the show. She did it last year. Her booth was ram-packed, so yeah, it's nice. shout out to Mimi. I know people Future are going braids. on vacation. Everybody wants to get braids. And people came from all over. There were people from Houston, from Atlanta, from Jamaica. Like, literally, people flew in for this competition. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty nice to see everyone representing. Yeah. Treat your braiders with respect, man. Braiders don't get enough respect out here in these streets. Yeah. You know, you know how much patience you got to have to braid? Yeah. And some of y'all be bringing y'all little nappy-head kids in there, and them kids only got a half an inch of hair, and y'all want them to get cornrows? <laughs> All right, and then these braiders got to work miracles to yeah. make that happen. They but do they get though. It done. They do though. Yeah, she's done Allen Iverson. She's done Wale. She's done a bunch of people. So shout to Mimi. Now today on the show, Ava DuVernay will be joining us. Queen oh, yes. Ava DuVernay. She's, she's got, got that got... Netflix special coming. Yeah, uh, when they see us. When they uh, see us. Central Park Five. 
four-part series on the Central Park Five. It'll be out on the 31st, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So we'll kick it with her today. And we got front page news. What are we talking about, yeah? I, we're going to talk about this flight that was delayed because the pilot got arrested, and you won't believe why. My goodness. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Now, last night in sports, there was no games last night, but tonight, game one, Golden State Warriors take on the Portland Trail Blazers. And, Damn, already? Yep, game one's so tonight. Until Wednesday. Mm-mm. And Jesus. also, the uh, NBA lottery is tonight, and we'll see that the Knicks get the first pick, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, man, I hope that uh, Zion Williamson doesn't get cursed and um, the New York Knicks get the number one pick. He deserves better. My goodness. What else we got? As long as James Dolan is the owner of that organization, nothing nothing will go right for the New York Knicks. All right. Well, for employees at Amazon that want to quit their jobs and start their own delivery businesses, they are going to help them out. They are going to pay $10,000 in three months' salary to help workers start their own delivery businesses. So it's going to help them out a lot because they need people to help deliver those prime packages and those Amazon-branded vans and uniforms. And they had told employees that they could apply to start their own small businesses just last year. But unfortunately, a lot of people didn't have the capital that they needed to get their businesses off the ground. So now they're going to give employees up to $10,000 of the startup money that they need and three months of their existing business. Yeah, Amazon got to do something better, man, because these people be pulling up and U-Haul truck sometimes with Amazon. <laughs> it be scaring the ish out of me. You're like, like, what? I, I let the dogs here? out. I go get my, my pistol. I mean, I be nervous because they come up in any type of vehicle. Yeah, they do. And they know in my neighborhood, they pull up in like these nondescript white vans. And you know, for somebody who uh, has been in drug raids before, I got PTSD from stuff like that. So you can't just be pulling up on un- unmarked white vans. Makes me nervous. What else we got, you? All right. Now, Nike, according to one Olympic runner, Alicia Montano, says that they need to do a better deal as far as maternal leave for female athletes. Now, she was known as the pregnant runner back in the 2014 Olympics. And she did a video where she says, basically, Nike's pretty hypocritical between their inspirational ad slogans and their maternity leave policy because they said if, she said, if you want to be an athlete and a mother, well, that's just crazy. She said, no, seriously, it's not a good idea. She said when she told Nike she was pregnant, they told her they would pause her sponsorship contract and stop paying her. So she actually had to tape her abs together and ship her breast milk from China to the United States during a competition Man. after her daughter was born because she didn't want to lose the sponsorships that she had because that's what made up her money. Wow. So they just need to figure out a better way to make sure that women are able to be on maternity leave, not be in risk of losing that sponsorship money that helps them out a lot. I'm shocked when it comes to maternity leave. Nike just doesn't tell them, just do it. I mean, they can. They just have to pause their sponsorship That money. was a joke. And he, he was, I know, I get it. Was, oh, okay. But, um, for, <laughs> it wasn't really a joke, but, you know... American Airlines. Let's talk about a pilot that actually ended up getting arrested and the flight got delayed. And that's because the pilot, Christian Richard Martin, was arrested one day after a grand jury indicted him for triple murder. He's a pilot? Yeah, he's a pilot. (laughs) Who'd he kill, allegedly? Uh, Allegedly, he killed his uh, uh, Calvin and Pamela Phillips of Pembroke, Kentucky, and their neighbor. They said Calvin Phillips was discovered dead in the cellar of his house from a gunshot wound while his wife... And the neighbor, Edward Dancero, were found dead in a nearby field. So they did not list a possible motive, but they did say that Christian Richard Martin served in the military earlier this decade and was court-martialed in a case involving physical and sexual abuse and mishandling classified information. So so if he was in the military, he might he might be suffering from some type of PTSD, uh, some type of trauma, right? But, yeah, that was a crazy imagine because people were actually about to get on the flight. It was right there, like, boarding and... Their pilot got arrested. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that is insane. That, that, oh. 
That's all you, you know. That's why you, when you got to speak to your pilots when you get on the plane, man. Sometimes you just got to look in the pilot's eyes and say hello, you know, just to make sure that he or she is all there. You know what they started doing on Delta now? The pilot comes out and greets everybody. <laughs> yeah, greets everybody. That's kind of they didn't, they don't always do that, but now on every flight I've been on lately, they do that. Mm-hmm. Think about how how we just put our lives in the hands of certain people and don't even know what that person looks like. Think about all the time you just board a plane, sit in your chair. You may see the stewardesses, but you don't never pay attention to the pilot. Ever. Mm-hmm. Right. But but that person's about to take us in the sky. Right. Well, I like that new policy. They come out, greet everybody. How you doing? I'm your pilot. Yeah, today. man. All right. Well, that is front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you're upset, you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe you had a bad night or bad morning, or maybe things are blessed and you just want to spread some positivity. 800 800- 585-1051. Get it off your chest. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Ah, I can't believe it. Oh, hi, my name is Joy. Hey, Joy, um, get it off your chest. That's a you perfect sound, name for you. Yeah, you sound joyous. I love this station. I always um, call, I mean, listen to y'all every morning. But um, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. My daughter recently moved to Brooklyn, New York. Hey, shout out to Brooklyn. Salute to the Metro, too. 803, what's happening? Yeah, she has her own business, and she was recently on the Oprah Winfrey Network on Sunday. She's 25 years old. Her name is Shadea Caldwell, and her business is Black Girl Magic with a K at the end. Dot com, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if y'all could just help promote her. You just what did. Is she, what does she sell, though? We got to know what she sells first. Well, actually, she's a motivational speaker for young black girls. Why she spelled magic wrong? Because Black Girl Magic website wasn't available with the C? It's another Black Girl Magic with a C already. Oh, okay. That's what I just said. But, yeah, I got you, boo. All right. Well, thank you, Mama. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking right now. Kiva! Yes. Hey, what's up, Kiva? Get it off your chest. I'm getting off my chest. I want to tell y'all, include Charlotte Banks. The reason why all these crazy people come from Florida because the school system is trash. They set them up to be crazy. Now, don't blame y'all crazy on the school system now. I think it's the water. You think so? It's probably yeah. the water. They drinking sulfur water down here. Because the bad part they about... smell like a boiled egg. <laughs> <laughs> the bad part about Florida, Florida. You, you got educated people who've been to school who still got some crazy in them. Ah, they so crazy. It's yes, water. Ma'am. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right, baby. That right, hard-boiled egg water. Fish. Anthony. Hey, good morning, DJ. Good morning, Charlamagne. Good morning, Angelique. Good morning. morning. What's up, Anthony? Get it off your chest, bro. Hey, um, I want to ask Charlamagne. Um, Chris Rock said that he will executive produce uh, um, a comedy special for him. So why have you never took him up on that? You know, just get Donald Rollins, Chris Rock, Andrew Schultz, and then do like a little quick comedy tour, make a couple bucks off of it. Because I, I don't do things for money, and I'm not a comedian. I respect the stage too much. I respect all of those people you just said, and there's nothing harder than getting on that stage with a microphone and making people laugh. Like, the, like the, for people to have that expectation that they're coming to see you and, and to laugh and then to actually fulfill that expectation, I would never do that to myself. That takes years and years and years of uh, hard work. All right, this is what I do. I'm on, I'm on this radio every day, baby. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And uh, hey, Envy, um, when are you going to bring Crossroad to California? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. We're not actually on radio in California. So I know we're hitting a lot of the markets that we're on radio. But maybe, maybe one day I'll bring it to California. It's a long way to bring them cars out there, though. Yeah, I got a perfect car for you. I got the 2009 Chevy Equinox. 
60,000 miles on it, man. It was perfect, perfect, perfect show. I, I put it right next to Charlemagne's uh, Cadillac Escalade, bro. Yeah, 2002. Really, All right, bro. I remember you, you gave a story um, about um, you being in college and you signed up for somebody that was getting picked on by kids on the football team. Yes, sir. Uh, um, I find it hard to believe because you say you were five two when you were eighteen. <laughs> I knew anybody that was in um, that went to school with you back in nineteen eighty eight when you were a freshman. I need someone to come say that they're on the football team and that yeah that really happened. We, we, oh, I would like we know we know he's lying. We know. I, lo- he's lying, I love bro. your stats. I love your stats, but I was five two in high school, bro. Not in college. He shot up. I shot up between yeah, between uh, sophomore year and, and junior year. I shot and just because he stood up doesn't mean it worked. I, I, I went from five two to six foot, but thank. Thank you though. Good, good stabs. I'm glad you. That's not a stab. I remember that story too. And he said he backed down the whole football team. <laughs> I never said I the backed whole, down the, the whole football Hampton team. I believe he had a gun. I said team. I said I stood up for somebody that was getting picked on. I never said I backed out. I had. You a said gun. you backed them all down. You said you and Nas had guns and y'all pulled them out on the football <laughs> team and, and backed the whole football team. Every stood up and down. said, "Leave him alone." <laughs> oh, Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. I need somebody to stand up for me because you guys are bullying me. Get it off your chest. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. Danielle. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, just just Daniel, Andy, just Daniel from Seattle. Oh, my bad, Daniel. What's up? Get it off your oh, chest. Oh, no, you good? Oh, y'all good, man. It's a pleasure to talk to me, y'all. Uh, I just got to get this off my chest. You probably already know about this, by Mr. Rapper from Arthur. Uh, you know, he's about to be coming out uh, on the what, 22nd. I saw that yesterday. Yeah, there's going to be a gay <laughs> wedding on Arthur. Yo, yo, yo. I'm born in 1992. I'm a 90s baby. I'm watching this sh- from Jump. Oops, sorry, I can't be cut this. But it's just funny, like, you see the, if you see the clip, you see Muffy talking like, who is Mr. Redford marrying? Like, how do you not know your own teacher? You go to his wedding and you don't even know who he's marrying. So, like, bro, like, that don't even make sense. Like, so you like, mad Mr. Rathbur is gay on the author TV show? I'm not I'm mad at that. I, I, I got, I he got doesn't understand the more. plot line. <laughs> no, nah, it's just the fact that he didn't write that from Jump Street. Like, he didn't give him no type of storyline. He didn't make him fall in love. Right. He didn't make him break his heart. None of that. He I wanted to see the whole progress leading up to... Mm-hmm. How old are you to be watching yeah. the author, man? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was born in 92. Yeah, he said he's born in 92. Uh, about like 99. Maybe like seven, eight years old, like probably, yeah. He's been following hey, Arthur. I'm gonna tell you something Yo. though, man. When it comes to Arthur and they talking about uh, in in Marvel comics, they're gonna be intro- introducing gay characters, and some of ca- some of the characters are gonna come out as gay. I don't see the need for any of that in my cartoons, all my comic books. Like I don't care about. You know who any of my favorite fictional cartoon characters are sleeping with? Like, <laughs> I don't need that in my comic books and in my cartoons. Like, what's the point? So I you, guess it's representation because that really um, happens everybody? in real life. So when, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, they're superheroes, and it's a an is it what is the author an ant eater? <laughs> but aren't there love stories with superheroes all the time? Yeah, not really. No, not in the movies. You tell me what's the love story in the Marvel movies. I don't know. I was just thinking about Superman. Spider-Man had a girlfriend, whatever her name was. Mary Jane. And so did did Superman. Superman had a girlfriend. Lois Lane was around. Didn't the Hulk have a a girlfriend? The Hulk has a girlfriend. Yeah. I think there's always love lines. Trap just came out of nowhere. Trap just snuck in the back door. What's up, Trap? That's right. Here I am. What's up? What's up, MB? What's up, Yee? What's up, Charlamagne? Hey. What up, Trap? How you doing, sis? Charlamagne, you know who you look like? Uh Who I look like? 
Andrew Caldwell, the delivered guy. Like, the more and more I start Never. to see him. <laughs> Never. I rebuke that. Do a side I rebuke that. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. He Me was and Andrew Caldwell don't look nothing alike. He was hoping you was going to say more like chestnut or Joe. You, no, you like, don't. No, you don't. I'm looking my, right no now. Curse. No, you don't. My tribe is Jeezy, Mars Chestnut, you know what I'm saying? Joe. Tyson Beckford. And um, Lafayette from True Blood. Lafayette from True Blood. Definitely. Lafayette could be part of our tribe. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, Andrew Caldwell is not part of our tribe. Yeah, I'm just going to leave out R&B singer Joe. But what's up, Trav? Why you calling? Listen, I want to talk about, listen, I, 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 I hate to talk about the dumbass straight people out there today. Uh -uh. I got to talk about dumbass straight people who sit there and think that having to explain why a rat is marrying an aardvark <laughs> on the show after <laughs> and it's so hard to explain <laughs> to, to, to children and they really trying to make it seem like I don't know it seems like every time a straight person drops a movie I don't see nobody from the LGBT community out here screaming oh y'all are pushing an agenda y'all are pushing an agenda straight people have pushed been pushing an agenda on my life <laughs> since I was a child. Growing up, I didn't see any representation of the LGBT community as far as cartoons, as far as anything, and I am still gay. So watching TV is not going to turn your children gay, not going to turn your children straight. If mm -hmm. your little dude turn out gay, his ass going to be gay anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I just think it's weird to say representation matters when we're talking about a rat and an aardvark getting married. Well, it's also because they, they are supposed to represent two men. And I can just imagine back in the 1950s, when black people first started appearing on television, when they first started having interracial couples on television, the way black people sound right now, a lot of us sound right now. Right. No, not, not, not even a lot of us. A lot of y'all in the straight community. The way that y'all sound right now, especially black people, I can only imagine how white people sounded when we first started appearing on TV and they first started showing us and showing representation of black people. That sounds stupid, and a lot of straight people going to hell because y'all abomination. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't care either way. I just, you know. I just, I just don't want any. I don't want no love stories in my superhero movies. I don't care. Are you saying that now? Are you saying that Arthur's not a superhero? But you're only saying that now because why? Because everybody's talking about it and saying they don't want homosexuality representation. Yeah, no, I, just, I think it's fine. I never cared about it. I never, I never cared about uh, love stories in my superhero movies. I don't go watch the Hulk to watch him and uh, his girlfriend kiss. You know what I mean? I don't watch Spider-Man Spider-Man and Mary yeah, Jane. Yeah, it is part of the storyline. And Mary Jane was a huge cartoon, part of... Every single cartoon I can think of, I think that they've always had... When you think of The Simpsons, they had a man and a woman that was married. When you think of you know any cartoon... Right. Bro, Bert and Ernie was gay. We grew up on Bert and Ernie. They were gay. I don't think All they right? were openly gay. Yes, like, they, they were. Never they used to take baths together. together. Back then. They used to take baths together. You, you took a bath with your brother, too, or your, your friend. It doesn't mean... <laughs> they they used to wash each other's backs. All right? Yeah. But exactly. Yeah, it wasn't actually really shown it was gay. It just came but, out know, that it was gay a couple of years ago. We got to stop being weird. Whenever y'all drop a movie, we're not going to scream that y'all pushing the agenda, even though y'all always pushing the agenda. Right. To just, let, just let it be. That's all. I'm going to tell, 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 tell you the weirdest thing about this. Y'all acting like y'all watch Arthur. I don't watch no goddamn Arthur. Only the, the, the coolest Arthur been in the last 20 years is them memes with his fist balled up. Bye. There's a lot of issues here for you. <laughs> Get it off your chest. No damn offer. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. Now, you, we got rooms on the way? Well, since we're talking about it, let's talk about Gerard Carmichael and his home videos, his latest HBO special. And uh, one thing he does discuss is his own sexuality. Are right. you telling me that Gerard is an aardvark? Possibly. All right. At we'll times. get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo. Rumor report. Rumor report. This is.
The Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Steve Harvey is no longer hosting the Little Big Shot show. That's a kid's talent show when they return to NBC. He hosted the show for the first three seasons, but now Melissa McCarthy is taking over those duties. In addition to that, we told you previously that his Steve Harvey talk show is also coming to an end. His daytime talk show, Steve, is canceled after seven years with the network, and Kelly Clarkson is going to have her Kelly Clarkson show in its place. Well, you know, he's still executive producer and co-creator of uh, Little Big Shot, so he's still getting a check. Yes, and he's still on Family Feud as well. I don't know how true that they said that they ended his talk show because he had uh, a higher percentage than NBC. Is that true? I don't know the reason why. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of talk about reasons why and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I remember he was upset because he would have liked for NBC to reveal the news to him personally instead of him finding out in the press because he found out the same way everybody else did. Right. And so that's kind of foul. Who the hell watching the Kelly Clarkson daytime talk show, though? I mean, it could be good, but I, I mean... Yeah, I, we it, don't know it, what it, it's going to be like. It, just, it, don't, it don't look appealing on paper. Yeah, I mean, who knows? So there's a lot of daytime talk show hosts previously that I used to enjoy watching, and I didn't know who they were before their show. So yeah, as long as her personality can make it work... <laughs> I don't know what her personality's like, to be honest. I don't really know. I never paid that much attention. Daytime talk is tough, man. All right. Now, Lee Daniels is being sued now, and this is by Rachel Roy and Cindy Morales. Those are Damon Dash's exes. Now, we told you that he settled everything with Damon Dash. Lee Daniels did. Mm-hmm. But now they're saying that they want to get the money directly from Lee Daniels because they say the money that he agreed to pay Damon Dash is theirs, really, because he owes money and back child support and other expenses as well. So That ain't Lee's fault, though. Like, why are they suing Lee? I guess he's trying to... They're trying to go directly to him to get that money that he's going to pay Damon Dash so it goes directly to them. Well, so they want to cut Dame? out the middleman. I mean, they are suing. I don't know if it's going to work out, but they're trying. If I'm Lee, I'm like, I already passed that money over. I gave that, I gave that bag away already. In the meantime, Empire is ending after season six, after the next upcoming sixth season. They did make that announcement. They said that's going to be a television event, and we're trying to go out guns blazing. Mm-hmm. According to Fox Entertainment CEO Charlie Collier, he said that. He said you allow fans to lean in and have the ending they deserve. So I don't know what that ending could potentially be like. But they said at this point they also have no plans for Jesse Smollett to return either. They bugging. They need to let Jesse Smollett write the season finale because there's nothing that they can write that's going to be better than what Jesse concocted a couple months ago. He's stupid. All right, now let's talk about Gerard Carmichael. He has an HBO special, and that came on um, Sunday, and he's revealing a discussion that he had uh, with his mom. It's, home, it's called Home Videos. So it's the first of two specials which he's having intimate conversations with his family. He went back home to North Carolina, sat down with his mother for a Q&A and had his mom reflect on different things. Uh, one thing he talked to her about was bringing home a white girl. If I bring home a white girl, what's your reaction to me after we leave? I'm going to have to process it. I just really want you to celebrate and embrace black love. Does that mean that I don't if I did? But if you did embrace black love, wouldn't you have a black partner? You can embrace without being involved. Can you? Yeah. Hey, man, tough time to bring home white women. Blame Trump. All right? All right. In addition to that, he asked his mother if she's ever had feelings for a woman. And here's what happened. You ever been attracted to a woman? No. I mean, I don't mean that ugly, but no, I don't know. I prefer men. I hooked up with dudes before. Okay. Well, that's your option. Drawed out here trying to steal Mr. Ratburn's shine. 
All right. <laughs> I saw that a few weeks ago, uh, you know, cause, and, and I remember Gerard saying that, but I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I actually thought he was joking. Was he joking? Sarcastic. I, I, I thought. And I thought it was. I thought like he's a, having real conversations. I mean, you can't never really tell with comedians, man. And then, and I also said, why would you have that conversation with your mother? I've never talked to my mother about someone I was having sex with. <laughs> so and even and even dawned on me that he said he slept with other dudes. I was just thinking, why would you be talking to your mom about sex? I'm sure your mom knows, Charlamagne. I'm sure I duh, but you know I've never <laughs> sat there and had the conversation with her. Hey, about mom, you and other dudes? With anybody. Period. Like that's why why would you have that conversation with your mother? Envy, have you had that conversation with your mom? No. Yeah, but he's doing home videos, so I guess the whole point of yeah. it is for him to have these conversations sure that he's never had Man. before. Well, so that's probably the candidness of it comes from the fact that they've never had these discussions. I've had a lot of think. candid conversations with my mother, but I've never told her about uh, who I was sleeping with. Yeah, so but that's will... probably why it's fun to do something like that on camera, because it's interesting to see what her response is, because these are things you guys never discussed. Yeah, and that's what I thought. I thought he was just trying to get a rise out of her by saying that. But I will say, though, I love the fact that, you know, it isn't really news, meaning that a person saying they have slept with a man doesn't need a press conference, doesn't need to be breaking news. If if that's what you do, that's what you do. All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Front page news, what are we talking about, Yee? Well, let's talk about somebody else who has just joined the 2020 Democratic presidential race. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Now, uh, no games were last night, but tonight the Warriors take on the Trailblazers. And also it's the NBA lottery, so I'm sure the Knicks will get the first pick. Good luck to the Knicks. It's a damn shame that all y'all New York Knicks fans are wasting y'all prayers, wasting God's valuable time, sending that energy up, asking him if Zion Williamson can be y'all number one pick. Please give us the number one pick so we can get Zion Williamson. Stop wasting y'all time. God sending all them prayers to this fan folder. Now it's going to happen. It might. Mm-hmm. What else are you talking about, you? All right. Well, Montana Governor Steve Bullock is now saying that he's joining the race for the 2020 presidential election. So he's telling voters that he succeeded in, as a Democrat in a state that's very Republican. That would make him an ideal person to take on Donald Trump. So that's somebody else. Who is now joining this race? He's the third governor right now, mm-hmm. with almost Listen, two dozen candidates. A majority of y'all, a large majority of y'all, are in the Democratic Party that are announcing y'all candidacy for president. A lot of y'all just wasting time at this point. All right, the Democratic nomination field is too crowded. This is like back in the day in wrestling when everybody started joining the NWO, and after a while you just stop caring. This, that's what this is, is at this point. He's the only statewide elected official to win a state that Donald Trump carried in 2016, so that's what he's really going off of. Right now, he needs to raise money and get enough support in polls to qualify for the first debates, which is in June for the Democrats. So, everybody, everybody already scratched out. It's 73 uh, nominees. Now, a jury has given a $2 billion verdict. That's in favor of a couple in California. They say their cancer was caused by long-term exposure to Monsanto's popular weed killer called uh, Roundup, according to the attorneys. The verdict is because they said basically using that is what caused them to get cancer. So $2 billion verdict is what this couple won. But unfortunately, they have cancer They now. have cancer. It's, it's, cancer. Not, it's not even worth it. That's not even a fair trade. That's not an even exchange. Right. So. And anybody out there that thinks otherwise, y'all got y'all priorities in life all messed up. And I'm sure they'll never get that $2 billion regardless. Most companies will, will, will file bankrupt and they'll never get that money. And, and, and if, if they do get a percentage of that money, it's probably going to take a while for them to get it. And, you know, at, at, at that, that whole couple years it's going to take, they'll be battling cancer. Nah. And they're an older couple, too, so. 
Lord have mercy. In some positive news, Amazon is going to start paying their workers who want to start their own delivery businesses. They're going to pay them up to $10,000 and three months' salary to help them start their own businesses to become an entrepreneur. So what they are looking for is for people to start their businesses doing prime packages, deliveries, and Amazon branded vans and with Amazon uniforms on. Now, they had announced back in 2018, just last year, that they need to, uh, people to actually do these jobs, but I guess a lot of people didn't have the startup money so now they're offering their employees up to ten thousand dollars of that startup money very so they important the capital they need to start right very important they need branded vans v- branded vehicles yep. and they definitely need uniforms because they be pulling up and them you know uh them nondescript white vans Bro, and you just just trucks. Out. yep you know what i'm saying I, i've been in i've been in kick doors before okay I got PTSD from stuff like that. You can't just be pulling up in white vans and jumping out. Yeah, no, nah, I'm with you. I let the dog out on, on somebody the other day. He had a big U-Haul van coming up my driveway. I, I it, it almost scared the ish out of me. Mm-hmm. Right up, you see that white van pull up and you start thinking you got to go flush stuff. And you be like, man, I don't live that life. I ain't lived that life in 20-something years. Well, I didn't think I had to flush anything, but I, it made me kind of nervous. You don't know my life. All right. Well, all right. That is your front page news. Okay, thank you. Now, when we come back, Ava DuVernay will be joining us. Queen Thanks. Ava! We're going to kick it with her. She has a, a new show coming on Netflix. It's called... Uh, when They See Us. When They See Us. It's all about Central Park and the Central Park Five. So mm-hmm. we'll talk to her about yeah, all that. Yeah, please make sure it's all it's about the Central Park Five. It ain't about Central Park. But the Central Park Five. <laughs> yes. So we'll Big talk difference. to her when we come back. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. We have a special guest in the building. A queen. Director, Miss Ava DuVernay. Hello. Welcome. Good morning. Now let's talk about this... this yeah, when they see us. When they see and us. If we needed another reason to hate white supremacy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and this, this, this is very triggering. Oh my goodness. You very triggering. Yes. Yes, yes, man. This, it's like, but I knew that going in that yeah. it was gonna make me feel that way. Right. You know. But one thing I did that you, I love that you did. You did a great job of humanizing these kids and showing their lives and how innocent they were and how that was taken from them. Why was that important? Uh, well, I mean, it's the story of, of black and brown boys all over this country mm-hmm. for generations and generations. And so this case is, this 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 film, it's a four-part film, a small series, is on its surface about the Central Park Five, but it's really about all of us, both of you, you mm-hmm. know? And the assumption of criminality that is put upon you when you just walk down the street. Uh, and so it's trying to get under that and understand why and how that happens and how it fits into the criminal justice system, that the criminal justice system is really built upon this deep, deep bias. And we know that because we feel it and live it. But when you do it through the case of these boys, which is a real extreme case, it really allows you to show all the levers and the nooks and crannies of the criminal justice system to people that don't know and for people that take it for granted. And so I think this is my goal is to try to explain a little bit more that we are caught in a, in a system that needs to be dismantled. I hated it and I loved it. Good. I, I hated it because it, that's the best review I could hear. It made me dislike so many different people. I came uh, just work say it's not so many different people. I said just it made say me hate it. white people. Yeah, okay. it made me hate prosecutors. It made me hate what they did to those young men. Made me hate people so bad, just the way they took advantage of them. Yeah. But I loved it because it was a story that I could never retell. You know, I'm, I'm from New York, so I grew up through that story. But I watched it with my son, who's 15 years mm. old, and I watched it with my daughter, who's 17 years old. And just watching their faces and, and asking so many questions. But, Dad, they can't do that. And I'm like, yes, they can. Mm-hmm. And they will try. Mm. And and being able to have that conversation and say, hey, just let you know that if anything ever happens, just know the police are not your friends. Yeah. You don't say anything without yes. a lawyer. Yeah. You call me first. And it was, a, it was easy to have that 
dialogue with them. Yes. Last night. Oh, I'm glad you watched it with them. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good piece because we take for granted what what. I mean, at the time when you look at it, like now we feel, oh, we would never go into an interrogation room and talk like those boys talk. Mm-hmm. But we're not 14, 15 years old. Right. And what if you weren't there in the room? That's what happened to these boys. They kept their their parents out of the room. So if your kid that you think is is street smart or mm-hmm. knows everything or you've taught everything, your kid was in an interrogation room, picked up for something they didn't do, which could happen, would they know what to do? Absolutely like they, not. They I've been in that same situation. Know. I was in the first time I ever got arrested was for assault and battery with intent to kill, and I was in the back seat of a car with some of my homeboys, and my homeboy shot out the car. And when they came to arrest me from high school, in my mind, I'm thinking like I'm just in the principal's office, so I'm writing statements, but I'm lying in the statements, and I'm saying I got picked up by a hitchhiker, wow. but I didn't have no lawyer, no nothing, but I didn't know that I had the right to remain right. silent, that I wasn't supposed to be doing Yes, that. that's exactly what happened to these kids, mm-hmm. right? And so, and also the pressure of that police authority, they're telling you to do it with an authoritative voice, and you were wired to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the piece, beyond just being, a, I think, a compelling piece and a piece that has a lot of emotion to it, a lot of joy, it's a real triumphant piece about over tragedy, this this overall story. It's also teaching folks how to act around um, police and police aggression and what Absolutely. not to do. Yeah. How, how difficult was it for for them to relive this situation? It was, it was you know, the five real men living, still living, still thriving. Um, and they were really around the production, so they... Uh, worked with me. I wanted to make sure that I was telling their story. Because even when they were young, those statements that they made were coerced. Those right. were not their voices. So their voices had never really been heard. So I wanted to make sure that this story was their voice heard. And uh, so they were around the production. I researched this for four years. I started on this in 2015. And pouring through all the court documents, all of the press coverage, but really listening to them, sitting down, listening to the stories, their family stories. So they were very involved. They were on the set. Um, they were there. It's it's their it's their story. What made you do this story? What intrigued you about this story? Raymond Santana, one of the men, actually tweeted me, and he said, "What is going to be your next film after Selma? CP5?" So I slid into his DMs and I said, "No one has your story." And he said, "No." And I said, "Well, I'm going to be in New York in a couple of months. Maybe we'll get together." We did, and from there I, I got. Just pulled into the story. That's the, greatest, that that's, that's the greatest DM slide I've ever heard. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> Everybody's gonna hear your DM. Now. Y'all using your DMs wrong, bro. All right. Wow. Jeez. That's how it happened. Now, it's interesting though because I, I always I thought this uh, got pinned on these kids, which it did. But some of these people, especially that blonde detective, oh my God, mm. I hate her. Mm. She really thought these kids did it. And I was wondering, did she really believe they did it? Or was it because they were black or because there was so many rapes going on in the city at the time? Like, what was well, she, her reasoning for going so hard? she just need a conviction, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think people have to come up with that conclusion when they watch it. Um, the big question is why? Why did they do it? Uh, there's a lot of different answers, but to this day, Linda Fairstein, who, you know, lives in New York City and who's now a, a crime novelist, mm-hmm. um, uh, maintains that they did it. After the DNA, there was DNA and everything. There was never any DNA, right? But even after the, the man came out and said, I did it, take my blood. Right. And they took his blood, and they knew it was him, and it was overturned, and they were exonerated, and they got $41 million from the city. She still maintained. That's crazy. That they were involved. And that's Donald just ego, Trump. though. That's just ego. It, it is. It they, is like, ego. they don't want to admit, hey, we were wrong. That's that's what that's what she says. And Donald Trump never apologized. No, he's the same. He's and, he, he still he says they did it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for people that don't know, Donald Trump actually put out a full page ad in the paper 
Uh, four, four New York papers. Four papers. Yeah. Trying to get these kids convicted. Yes. Well, not trying to get these kids convicted. Trying to get them executed. Right. Death penalty. Yeah. Death penalty. He called for the death penalty before their trial. Mm. Fourteen to sixteen-year-old boys called for the execution of uh, of these boys before they had even gone to trial. It was two weeks after the arrest. That's crazy. How many times did you cry directing uh, this? I did a lot. I cried a lot making Thirteenth. I cried making Selma. And this though, it was just really tough because the boys. They were just they were just young Sweet. boys. And when I still see the five men now and I talk to them, they've all become I love them like brothers, I really do. Um, I see the boys in their face. I could still see the young boy. Are there any lifelong traumatic effects these these guys are dealing with today? It's gotta be, right? They gotta be uh, having some type of mental yeah, health yeah. issues. Yeah, I think they're all working really hard to 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 stay focused on on life and um to you heal. Know, on to, to Hill, but yeah, even even Corey says, um, you know, right now he's living life after death because he already, you know, feels like he died a couple times in prison. The things that he'd gone Man. through, and you see that in the final episode. And so, um, so yeah, it's 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 tough. But hopefully, this piece will help. All right, we got more with Ava DuVernay. When we come back, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning, DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Ava DuVernay, who has the Netflix series coming out when they see us talking about Central Park Five. Now, they said you interview people on both sides, the young men and the police. Now, were the police apologetic at any time? No. I, I really had hoped really? to find one. Really? I'd hoped to find one. I'd hoped to find one. Very few of them talked to me. Um, some of them talked to me off record. So some people on the other side did talk to me, but that side doesn't know that they did. Um, but they weren't apologetic. Really? They were kind of like, this is how it happened. And, you know, very matter of fact, like, we did our jobs. And they did do their jobs because the job of the police is, unfortunately, in this day and age, I believe, in the way that they've been trained, in the way that they've been um, um, mismanaged and um, under-supervised. And the lo- job of the police largely is not always justice. It's keeping order. It's quote-unquote law. Laws that are unjust in order, which is not always just. And so the idea that um, that they would ever say, oh, no, this was wrong, that's not a part of the way that they're trained. They're to keep law and order. Um, and, you know, in their point of view, they did. That's right. interesting, though, because I'm like, how do you keep order if you're locking up the wrong people? Because that means that the people who are actually committing the crimes are still on the street. Well, I mean, that's the question of, of the woman who was raped, Trisha Miley. You know, for a long time, the wrong people were locked up for her crimes. So hmm. her, the man who had assaulted her and raped her and violated her was out. He killed somebody else. He raped another woman and killed wow. someone else. Hmm. So um, it's just, it's just it, this rush to judgment. I was reading this incre- incredible thing. During that time in New York City, there was a study done that 90% of the articles about this case never used the word alleged mm. for the boys. They, it wasn't like alleged rapist, alleged, you know, assault. They were just, it just said that they did it. That's the New York Times, the mm-hmm. New York Daily News, the New York Post, all of the New York papers mm-hmm. um, really did not cover this properly, didn't ask the second question, just believed what the state said um, and took it as fact and then basically buried these boys. And in the first episode, there were a few of the victims that, you know, weren't even of age to be interrogated unless they had an adult there, but they were still making deals and signing confessions. So do you think we'll see any repercussions from those cops that were depicted you think they'll be upset um maybe like we didn't make them lie 
Um, these are the stories of the men, and this is what the men told me. Mm-hmm. And so we've believed the police side for, you know, 30 years, and so now it's time to listen to and believe the men who've now been exonerated. They were innocent. All that was done in those precincts, all those confessions, all that stuff has been overturned. It was all lies. It has been overturned. The men are free, innocent. And so everything that we're watching, I mean, don't be mad at it. You convicted these boys, Absolutely. and you were wrong. I mean, but I'm sure they will be. Did you did you get a chance to talk to the uh, the jogger and his family and all that? No, I reached out to her. She didn't, she 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 wanted to keep her privacy, so she didn't speak with me. But I tried. That's probably so traumatic for her, so she probably don't want to talk about that. Yeah, no, uh, she talks about it. Okay, okay. She talks about yeah, it. She wrote a couple of. Yeah, she's written some things. Some things about I think it. she wants to pick and choose who she speaks to about it. But so I figured she would want to say something like, "I these kids didn't do it." I feel. No, sorry. she's never said that. Just no. this past uh, summer, she came out and said, "I don't know that they didn't do it, but." You know, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure. And so usually she had said, I just don't know, I don't remember. But this summer she went a little further and she seemed to be, um, you know, feeling like they might have had some involvement. And I think, you know, it, it has to do a lot with this campaign that um, the the state side has been launching. They've released, released all these new documents. Um, you know, you have Linda Fairstein, um, out uh, a flurry of articles last summer when the when the new documents were released, kind of defending their side, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like you guys can do all that. These men are free, innocent, and are exonerated. Right. So you can keep telling that story, but now they have their story on record. Mm-hmm. And um, and my thing is, we just need to always hear two sides of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be out there for 30 years only saying your piece. It's like Trump in this Mueller report. It's like, I'm going to get out mm-hmm. six weeks before and just keep saying, ain't nothing in the report, ain't nothing in the report. And then people start to believe that. So when the report comes out, it's got all this stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're already wired to just believe the first thing. We have to interrogate this news, you know what I mean? We are we are um, not free unless we can really free our minds and gain knowledge. Mm-hmm. You cannot take everything on a face value. Nobody does that no more, though. Everything's so surface, like, and nobody cares about the truth and the lies more entertaining. So it's just like... Well, that's why I think places like this <clears throat> are important. I remember the first time I came in here, I was really scared. Why? Um, why? I don't know. I was scared of you guys. But um, I don't know. I thought you guys were going to... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, Zell is scared. Zell is scared. But um, but now, now that I start to listen to it more, it's just places for conversation about mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And where we talk about things, we can drill down and get beyond the surface, beyond the click, beyond the tweet or the IG story. You do realize you intimidate uh, people uh, when you walk in the room. Uh, when I when I interviewed you at BET, I was scared to death. Well, because that's not this is your comfort zone. That wasn't a yeah. com- your comfort zone. Now you on TV doing mm-hmm. all kinds But even when you come in here now, I'm like, all right, clean up, guys. All right? Straighten <laughs> up some things. He did say clean up. He right. said, I've never seen him clean up. Like, Reverend Al Sharpton came, he don't clean up. <laughs> Valerie just came here and clean up. Hove <laughs> came, he don't clean up. When you came, he was like, yo, we got to clean up, man. Straighten this up. Straighten this place up. Come on. Straighten this place up. Thank you. But it looks lovely. Thank you. It looks really good. <laughs> it looks fantastic. You know what I noticed about you? Uh, I noticed that you listen intently. How did that help you as a director? Um, well, I think people will tell you what they need and what they want if you just listen. But most of the time, when Pete, when you're talking to someone, mm-hmm. when you're talking to someone, most of the time they're thinking about what they're going to say next. Mm-hmm. Truly. Mm-hmm. And so if you can just wipe out what you're going to say next and just look at the person that I connect with them on what they're saying, mm-hmm. you're going to get so much. You're going to learn so much. and You're going to know what to do and say. I just think most people are just trying to get their piece in and be mm-hmm. heard because everybody wants to be seen and heard. So 
that's just something that I, I don't know how I practiced that. Yeah, I probably got it from my dad. Yeah, because he I would just tell. stare you down yeah. and listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you do. Like, when we ask you a question, you're, like, you can tell you're really, you're really listening, listening and taking yeah, it yeah, in yeah, every yeah, Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, good. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what's the, what's the next project that you... I, I know you're finished with this. This one's coming out shortly. What's the next project? Something else that you, somebody hit you in the DM about or <laughs> another passion project that's going to make us cry? I get hit in my DM so much. Uh, I get on Twitter almost every day, maybe two dozen things. Hey, make this story. Or, Ava, you should do this. Or, you would kill this. Or, I saw this article. It's crazy. And it's mm-hmm. an honor that people think I can tell whatever story. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Queen Sugar comes back in June. I've got a new show that we're doing called mm-hmm. Cherish the Day, a new romance a romance drama that's coming on. So we're starting to write that. Working on this Prince documentary. Um, the uh, estate, um, you know, allowed me to be involved in telling his story. So I'm in the vaults. And I got that? all the costumes. Is that from the beginning to start? Everything. Wow. Cradle to the grave, unfortunately. Mm. And just getting into all his music. So much music that we never even heard. Mm. But I could just sit there and listen to unreleased music, see the lyrics that he wrote in his own hand mm-hmm. on napkins from cafes in, in Europe and like wow. incredible, incredible things. A lot of, wrote a lot of lyrics on uh, notepads of hotels around the world. Mm. So it would just be like next to his bed and he'd write things down. Anyway, fascinating brother. Um, so working on that, and uh, and yeah, just trying to you know make sure that the story gets out and people see it. All right, we got more with Ava DuVernay when we come back. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Ava DuVernay, Charlemagne. You know, as a creator, you know, what I'm saying somebody who uh, expresses themselves. What did you think about the Facebook ban? You think the censorship? Facebook ban? Yeah. Do you think censorship is? is warranted in our society? Well, Facebook is is, is a business. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, you know, censorship of of kind of public expression is one thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you and I started, you know, something and we didn't want him on it, yeah. then we would just be like... <laughs> Cast me out, why don't you? You can't come. That's you what cannot I do yeah. this. So it's, it's. I mean, I... I we we are we have to remember when we're dealing with Twitter and IG and Facebook, we're participating in, you know the commodification of our expression absolutely and that at any point if that is 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 you know um uh, assaulting their ability to make money then then we're then we're off we become unimportant and we can get kicked off so you know they're advertisers and everyone's up in arms about those people you know that's not a free space so what should young black creatives do because i always say that we don't own any any of those platforms that y'all are giving out all of this free material on so what's it young black creatives do? Well, I think you should use it Mm -hmm. to further your own business, but just to be really aware that, you know, these are not free spaces. Mm -hmm. These are commodified spaces. And to make sure that you own your own. I mean, own your own content, own your own spaces. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm really talking to people about owning space. Mm -hmm. There are own spaces, you know, our theaters, our community centers, our, our offices. Um, so I think that's that's important, but but yeah, if you if you're on them with the knowledge that I'm participating in this exchange, you know, then then you'll be much more um, you'll pr- be protecting yourself much more than thinking that you're just you know actually in a free state. How hard is it for you not to stunt? Because you are a boss. Not to what? Stunt. What? Stunt. It's like wilding, like wilding. I know like what stunt means. <laughs> I know what stunt means. I'm just saying, you. what is he talking about? We, see, we know that you were boss, and we see the $100 million deals with Netflix and all of that type of stuff like He's that. a bird. He counts your money every time. He counts everybody money. <laughs> it's, just, it's inspiring. Bird. 
I mean, it's not the money. It's the fact that somebody that does the type of art you do gets mm -hmm. rewarded in that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You do things that matter. You do things of substance, and you get rewarded for it. So to me, that is what inspires me. Yes. Well, that's $100 million with Warner Brothers, not Netflix. Oh, Netflix. But, Warner Brothers. I'm but, sorry. But, um, that's a little stunt right there. But just no, so you, know. you know, just no. But <laughs> It's only like 50 with Netflix. No, no. But it's, 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 it doesn't go in our pockets. It goes to make things. You know what I mean? And so if they're going to give me the, the kinds of things that I make, which I'm trying to uplift people, I'm trying to center black and brown people and women, I'm trying to, to be able to have that kind of wherewithal to tell these kind of stories, um, I was just like, let me grab this before they change their mind and make as much as I can while I can. Um, and so that's the thing. It's just like, how much can we make? How much can we do? You know, you look at Lena Waithe and Issa Rae and Jordan and Kugler and so many of us, you know, I was talking to an older um creator who was saying, God, you guys are going so fast. Like, you guys have one hit and then pop out with three shows. It's like, doors open. We're trying to rush in mm -hmm. and do as much as we can before it closes, but also just to put out as much in this era. I mean, it's a good time. Mm -hmm. Don't you yeah, think? Yeah, There's yeah, so yeah. much out. But people are working hard. We also have to have self-care. Every time I see my comrades, I'm like, are you taking a vacation? Are you resting? Mm -hmm. Have you bought your home? Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, let's make sure that everybody's taking care of themselves. You know, and shout out to John, you know, who, Singleton, um, you know, he was someone who, you know, really did that. You know, he looked after all of us. He would call and, you know, mm -hmm. he'd see you out and he'd come and support. And, you know, it was one of the real, you know, few people of that generation mm -hmm. who would actually reach out actively or come show up to your thing as a young filmmaker, mm -hmm. you know, Um and so we just have to keep doing that for each other. He was a great example of it. Rest in peace. What kind of influence did he have on a, a young Ava? He did, you know, because he we're from around the same place. I mean, he was South Central from Compton. It's not that far. Um, actually, physically, it's a little far, but it's the same kind of, of environment. And he was very supportive. He came to my first premiere of my $50,000 film. He, he, um, he, you know, always was encouraging. And so I remember seeing Boys in the Hood and being like, those are people in my neighborhood. Like, it was the first time I saw them fully rendered mm -hmm. on screen, not being, like, the thug that held up, you know, Beverly Hills Cop or whatever, but, like, as as real people. And uh, so it was it was huge. It was huge. It's a big, it's a big loss because there's so few of us. Right. It's a very small tribe out there of people doing it. Um, there's a lot of people that can, but there's just a few that have been able to make it through. I mean, when you count on both hands all the filmmakers... Might be 20, 25. So to lose one so early um, is something that we haven't really dealt with. Like when you look at our space, we haven't lost any black filmmakers who, you know, who who were still in their working prime. So it, it was it's devastating. What is what is Ava doing for self care? Um, you got a therapist. You do meditation. I do meditation. Mm -hmm. I hike. I need to do more. You know what I mean? I really really need to do more because I'd be working on these things that are super. I don't know, dramatic, violent subject matter. Yeah, dark, yeah. Um, so I really need to do more. So um, I'm going to take that encouragement. How do you let it go? Um, I don't know. I don't have a real practice. I wish I could say something Oprah-like, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. You know, she really helps me. Usually I'll call her. Mm -hmm. And it's such a blessing to be able to pick up the phone and, like, it's actually her on the other line. I'll be like, this is what's happening. And she'll be like, okay. And then she'll just talk to me. And I'll be like, it's like therapy. 
really is. She's like the world's world's greatest therapist. That was called a stunt, ladies. No, it was not. That was not. Saying, yeah, I call it Oprah whenever I just. I call, I call, oh, oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? It was <laughs> oh, what you doing? Stunt. I need a little advice right now. A little oh, advice, oh, you know, oh, you got time. You got, you got time, time. You got time, right? Yeah, I know you. It was not a stunt. You know, you know when when they see us, one thing that I love is um, it really put me back to that that era. In eighty nine, oh, from the music, as soon as it starts yeah, off, yeah, yeah. good. You know how how hard is it to really go into depth about all that? Because you know, I'm look I'm looking at everything. I'm that type of person. I'm looking at the police cars, the good, police good. cars, oh, and that, and that era. I'm looking at the cars, yeah. what they selling in the stores, yeah. what the kids are wearing on their feet. Good. Like how like how deep do you go with that? Oh, that's what the director's job is, all of it. So every piece of the costume, everything that everyone's wearing, the production design, the way it looks, we have to go out and scout. Location scout, look for those places in New York City that you can age back and make look like 89. It's hard. Your city has changed. Mm -hmm. We look at pictures, like so much has changed. The way that signs were back then, cell phones, shoes, cars, all of that. A lot of it we had to change digitally mm -hmm. um, and, and visual effects, but trying to get it as close as possible. I was looking for a Starbucks cup in there. I was, that, I was like, that, uh, I that drive you crazy? Starbucks cup you, in there. Did that, that drive you crazy? drove me crazy because do you know how many people had, do you know how many people that passed through. Yeah. No, no, it, it, from the set, okay, everyone is standing on the set, then it goes to the editors, the editors watch it, then it goes through the, everyone at Netflix, all the producers, well, the colorist, or, uh, sorry, HBO, HBO yeah. all the, the colorists, so there's somebody that goes in and adjusts the color, the sound team, they watch it on a big thing. I can't believe nobody saw it. Yeah. It's crazy. It's almost somebody like... Somebody told me, my, my friend Victoria Mahoney <laughs> texted me and said, somebody was mad and let, saw it and was like... I'm gonna let that slide. Because <laughs> no, it's not possible that so many people miss it, but it happens all the time. Yeah. When they see us, what does that title mean? It's, such, it's a powerful title. I didn't want it to be called Central Park Five because I feel like that's the the name that the state and the press gave them, mm -hmm. and that it allows you not to be able to see them as human. Mm. Um, so when they see us, you know, opens it up, humanizes them more, but it also asks the question. Who's the they and who's the us? Well, check it out. May 31st, you can see it on Netflix. Queen Ava. We've seen it already. Amazing. I loved it. Watch it with your kids. Let your kids watch it. Why you don't ever do music for your own soundtracks? What do you... Go back to your rapping day. Okay. Thank you. So happy to <laughs> so happy to be here. See, I almost, <laughs> almost got out. I'm scared. All right. Thanks it's for a having me. It's Ava DuVernay. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Gee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. Let's get to these rumors. Let's talk the number one show on Netflix. It's this is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. What would you say is the number one show on Netflix? I have no clue. The Office, yes. So there were some issues. People thought the show was going to get taken off of Netflix and all of that. But they had to post, hello, it's me with your regularly scheduled reminder. The Office will be on Netflix until 2021 at least. By the way, I was on a flight the other day watching The Office because, you know, that's one of my favorite shows. I've never seen it. It's hilarious. Really? Yeah, you will love it. And my best friend, Santi Gold, was on two episodes and never even told me. Oh, really? So I'm watching it on the plane, and then I see her on these two episodes of The Office, and I had texted her. I was like, you didn't tell me you were on this show. That's like a dream come true. Are you sure your best friend is then? She just was like, oh, my God, I didn't know. It's so amazing. I did it before I even got pregnant with my twins. So, yeah. 
we don't talk every day, but I'm like, how could you not bring that up? But The Office is the number one show on Netflix, so shout out to that show. Mm-hmm. All right, now LeBron James, he now has a brand new gym for his uh, students. Well, he's going to have have it for the iPrimate School in Akron, Ohio. He just got a $1 million check from Dick's Sporting Goods Foundation. So they're going to provide that recreational center for everyone at that school. So that's amazing. Now, LeBron James said, I believe the sky is the limit for these kids, and the results we're seeing are just the beginning. Dick's Sporting Goods Foundation believes in the opportunities and values sports provide, and I've experienced that at every level. So he said he's very excited to provide a space for the growth at the I Promise School. Dropping the clues bounce for LeBron James, having more faith in those kids than he does in the Los Angeles Lakers, as he should. Now, Tiger Woods has a lawsuit. That's because one of the employees at his restaurant that he owns uh, died in a car crash. Now, what they are saying is this man was drunk after he crashed his car. And what, uh, he died December 10th, and that's because he was leaving the Woods uh, restaurant and bar, and he crashed his Corvette. They're saying that Tiger Woods, who owns the restaurant, and his girlfriend is the manager at the restaurant. She's a general manager. They're the ones who are to blame for the wrongful death. So he worked there as a bartender. He sat there and drank from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. His blood alcohol level was three times the legal limit. And they said that uh, he was suffering from alcohol, alcoholism. He went to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. And he had had another alcohol-related crash in November. And that Tiger Woods and Erica Herman, who's the manager, and Tiger Woods' girlfriend knew about his disease. But they were drinking with him before that crash happened a few nights ago. I never understood I've, that. I, I never understood you go to a bar and then you get into an accident when you leave the bar. And then you can sue the bar for oversuing you. I, I don't know how over much... Over-serving you? For yeah, over-serving I was, you. I, I, I say, oh, what did I say? Over-suing you. No, over-serving you. you know, I don't know how much liquor you had. You know, you could come in and get three. Some people can take five shots before they're drunk. Some people could take seven shots. Like, how Yeah, but I think I you can... When you look at somebody and you... Uh, if they're slurring, they can't talk. I can show you a bunch of people that's drunk that... that Function fine. They do say as a bartender, though, when you see somebody who is visibly drunk and slurring and they've had a certain amount of drinks, you're supposed to stop serving them. I've seen, uh, like, flight attendants on the plane stop giving people drinks because they were drunk. Absolutely. And if you've seen say, that no, person... you're sorry, can't do it. And if that person been sitting there for all of those hours, you can visibly tell if somebody's, like, super intoxicated. Right, like, and, and, and I understand tell. that there's times you're not 100% sure, like, I don't know, but... In this situation, they're saying that you knew he was an alcoholic. You knew he was going to these classes. But I don't know if that particular night, Tiger Woods wasn't drinking with him that night. So it probably wasn't a great idea for him to be a bartender if he was an alcoholic. Uh, yeah. All right, Byron Allen, his company has just purchased. Remember that whole acquisition of the 21 Fox Regional Sports Networks that everybody was trying to get? Ice Cube, yes. LL Cool J, they were mm-hmm. all bidding on it. Well, Byron Allen's empire just got it. So they acquired that. Yes, $10 billion acquisition. Man, drop on the clues bombs for Byron Allen. Y'all don't even know how Byron Byron Allen, a black man out here, getting it. Okay? Byron Allen owns the Weather Channel. All right? So, yeah, congratulations to him. I mean, everybody was trying to make it happen, different groups, but Byron Allen is the person who actually won in this bidding. I do want to say the Weather Channel has been wrong a lot since Byron Allen acquired it, though. I just want to throw that out there. They should hire Envy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. The Weather Channel is still the same old Weather Channel has been. But Byron Allen, yeah. if you don't know who that is, kids, Google Byron Allen, okay? All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Yee. Charlemagne, Donkey, who are you giving that to? Listen, uh, Donkey of the day today is a prime example of why you should go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. We need Phoenix Suns forward Josh Jackson to come to the front of the conversation. We'd like to have a word with him.
Okay. All right, we'll get to that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed one. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Yes, Dark here today for Tuesday, May 14th, goes the Phoenix Suns forward, Joss Jackson. Now, Joss is 22 years old. He got drafted in 2017. First round pick, uh, he was number four, actually. A solid player so far in the league. Um, I would say so. Rookie year, he averaged a little over 13 points a game. This year, he averaged around 11 points a game. So, decent first couple of years. I think his career average is like 12 points a game, something like that. He's still got a lot of work to do, though. A lot of work to do to be a household name. And he was reminded of that this past weekend at the Rolling Loud Festival in Miami. Now, I thank God I've never been one of these Negroes who have a desire or problem getting in VIP. Okay, let me tell you something. To, to, to this day, to this day, if I'm somewhere and there's a VIP section, if they don't let me in, I'm not tripping. I'm not about to beg anyone. I'm not about to ask to talk to anyone's manager. I'm damn sure not hitting you with the do, do you know who I am. Because, number one, security got a job to do. All right. Number two, they may know who you are and not care because they have a job to do. And number three, who the hell are you? Okay. No, I don't know who you are. And it's my job to keep people out of here because, uh, duh, I have a job to do. And you don't have the credentials to be in here. Well, Josh Jackson of the Phoenix Suns is one of those people, uh, one of those annoying ass people who can't take no for an answer when it comes to not being allowed in the VIP. The male ego is so fragile. The rejection of not being allowed in the VIP is too much for Josh Jackson to handle, especially because he's an NBA player. And this happened. Let's go to Andy Slater's show for the report, please. Josh Jackson plays with the Phoenix Suns. He was at Rolling Loud uh, in Miami Gardens, which was at Hard Rock Stadium. And according to my sources, Josh Jackson was arrested because he tried to get into the VIP area several times without having proper VIP access. Officers were being kind of polite to him after like three or four times he, he tried it. And... <laughs> Then they finally took him out. They put him in handcuffs, put him on a golf cart, and this NBA player gets off the golf cart in handcuffs and starts running away. So police catch up to him, and then they charge him with a felony for escape and then also resisting arrest. Now, I want to ask uh, Angelie a question. Mm -hmm. if, if you couldn't get in the VIP, would you beg to get in the VIP? Absolutely not. I'll walk away. Envy, if you couldn't get in the VIP, would you beg to get in the VIP? Hmm, that doesn't happen to me, bro. Angelie, I think Envy would definitely be put in this situation. Envy would definitely run through. <laughs> <laughs> and this, if bro, he doesn't do that, he might argue with security and tell yes, them, that, you don't know who I am. That doesn't happen to me, bro. This absolutely sounds like something that would happen to Envy. Nah. But let's keep in mind, Josh Jackson is 6'8". All right, running with handcuffs <laughs> on at Rolling Loud. Josh Jackson, where are you going? <laughs> you think nobody is going to notice a six-eight man running in handcuffs at Rolling Loud? And Josh, you would never, you would never have been in this situation if you went where you are celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Not only that, instead of fighting to get in the VIP, take your ass to general population and do what we all do, okay? Daydream about one day being in position to get you and your friends in the VIP if you want to. What he right? should have did was text his agent and be like, look, I'm out here. I need you to get me into the VIP, make it happen. And then you wait until they text you back and be like, okay, I have such and such coming to get you. Where are you at? I, 
I highly doubt his basketball agent knows anything about some damn rolling loud. He'll figure it out. <laughs> Trust me. The money they get paid. Now, 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 here's another secret. Once you get in VIP, you'll realize you don't even want to be in there. All right, nothing in there but a bunch of people acting fake important. Who got time for that? All right, you should feel like VIP wherever you go, and you don't need the validation of a VIP credential to be considered a very important person. Now, if Josh hits that court and does what he's supposed to do and becomes an all-star, right, starts getting endorsement deals, gets into some commercials, gets the Suns in the playoffs so people can see him, he won't ever have to beg to get into a VIP ever again. The moral of the story is work so you never have to introduce yourself. Please give Josh Jackson of the Phoenix Suns the biggest hee-haw. Uh -huh. Although I will say at an event like that, maybe it was annoying for him because he is very tall. People might recognize him. So people might have just kept coming up to him. It's and he was just trying to not be out there. I don't know. I I'm just guessing because he's so tall, people already look at you. He should have set it up beforehand. <gasps> That's no what disrespect to Josh Jackson, but I highly doubt anybody knows who Josh Jackson is. That's disrespectful. I highly doubt it. Not, 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 no. Some not fans of the, you know, some basketball fans might. Give, mm -hmm. give him some time, though. He's only been in the league two years. Give him some time. That's okay. all. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey today. Now, mm -hmm. let's talk low, was it Lokeisha? Lokeisha. Lokeisha. All right. That's a new movie that's coming out that people are uh, upset about. Let's play a, uh, a snippet. Y'all got to explain this one to me. I, I will. I got on. you. We got to play. Got to play. Uh, She's brilliant. I know. Get her in. The week gonna be the biggest thing in radio, but I still need my anonymity. You love with Loquisha. What's your problem? Hi, Loquisha. It's free. Oh, I ain't talking to you, not the way you sound. Next caller. You go, girl. Well, you just be good to her. If you good to yourself, you can be good to others. But don't be too good, because the police will come around. Loquisha is a real role model for every African-American woman on this planet. <laughs> I think I might be a black woman trapped in a white man's body. Now, let's talk Loquisha. Now, give him the Why details. Why Loquisha sound like a man? It okay, is. so the truth to this story is it's a white man who is pretending to be a black woman because there was an opening that's looking for a black woman radio host, and he wasn't able to get it as a white man, so he disguises himself, just his voice, to be talking as a black woman, calls himself Loquisha, and that's his idea to try to land this job. Of course, it have not seen that he's a white man, so he basically gets the job and goes on the air pretending to be a black woman named Loquisha. Amazing premise. All right. What's the problem? Let's open up the phone lines. How do you amazing, feel about it outside? That's an amazing We didn't ask plot. you yet. We didn't ask you yet. 800-585-1051. How do you guys feel about it? A white man acting like a black woman to get a job. Seems out of touch it's with a the movie. to do a movie like this. 800-585-1051. We'll talk about it when we come back. It's kind of like a, a slight, what they did in White Chicks. It was a black guy that pretended to be a white chick, and now there's well, a white man I, that's pretending to be a well, black well, woman. Hold on. I need more details, though. Who's behind this film? Like, who A white man is the person producer? that wrote, directed, and starred in it. He's the oh, well, see, white that, man. Well, well, that's the problem. Because it, it's, it's not it's not the idea that's bothering people. It's the presentation. He should have had a Jeremy black Seville person. is his name. Well, Jeremy should have had a black person, specifically a black woman, be the executive producer. If this was a black woman's idea or presented as a black woman's idea, it wouldn't be an issue. Well, let's let's talk about it when we come back. 800-585-1051. What are your thoughts? Call us now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club.
Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, if you just join us, we're talking Loquisha. Now, tell them about Loquisha. Loquisha is a movie about a white man who's pretending to be a black woman in order to get a job on radio where they're looking for a black woman radio host. All right. So and, we're of course, asking... the show becomes successful when he lands the job, even though he's a white man. So let's play a snippet of the trailer right fast. Uh, Loquisha. She's brilliant. I know. Get her in here. Loquisha's going to be the biggest thing in radio. But I still need my anonymity. You love with Loquisha. What's your problem? Hi, Loquisha. It's free. Oh, I ain't talking to you, not the way you sound. Next caller. You go, girl. You just be good to her. If you good to yourself, you can be good to others. But don't be too good, because the police will come around. Loquisha is a real role model for every African-American woman on this planet. I think I might be a black woman trapped in a white man's body. So we're asking 800-585-1051. What are your thoughts? Let's start with you. You're a black woman. Yeah, I thought it was very offensive that he tried to, first of all, it sounds like a stereotypical what a white person thinks a black woman sounds like. Mm. And then the name Loquisha is that it just feels very like stereotyping what a black woman is. Mm. And it's already hard enough for black women to get these positions and these jobs. So the fact that you make a movie about a white man getting this job because he can't get it because he's a white man is kind of like, you know, we have some type of affirmative action going on. Like, let us have a job that is very few and far between for us. But people would say it's a movie and, you know, they did it in White Chicks where Marlon and Damon played, uh, they were black men that played white chicks. I think that's the exact opposite of what this is. Yeah. Well, Charlamagne, what do you think? Well, I mean, here's the problem. The problem is there's not a black woman behind this, all right? That white guy, what's his name that did Jeremy this? Jeremy Seville. Jeremy Seville should have went to one of his black female comedian friends and let her to be let her be the face of this. You know, if, if he did that, I don't think it would be an issue because there's an unwritten rule that the oppressor can't make films like this about the oppressed, but the oppressed can do that to the oppressors, and that's just the way it is. But I, I think that, you know, people got to stop being offended by fictional worlds. Like, it's a movie. It's entertainment. Like, I grew up on people pretending to be other people all the time. And Living Color made fun of everybody. Dave Chappelle made fun of everybody. You got white chicks. Remember Joanna Man, where he pretended to be a, a woman NBA player? Uh, we would have never gotten Shanene or Wanda in this generation. You tell me, you telling me Shanene and Wanda were, were uh, positive depictions of black women? I so just find a, this is what a white man thinks of black woman sounds and you know looks like and what her name should be but there is a black comedian from the movie who is defending the movie and here is uh what he has to say if anyone's offended i'm very sorry but i wasn't trying to make anything that's a mockery and in fact i don't think the trailer does the movie any justice i don't think any of the black people that worked on it thought we were making a mockery i think we're at least for myself well versed in our plight and, and our history and all of that this is a comedy it's a story about one guy who does the wrong thing for the right reasons, and ultimately he pays the price. Uh, I think you kind of have to withhold judgment until you see the movie. All right, well, let's go to the phone lines. 800-585-1051. We have Elvis on the line. Elvis, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up? What do you think about, what are your thoughts on the movie? I think it's great. I think it's a great idea. I think it's the best idea since White Chicks. Do you remember White Chicks? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. White Chicks was good. I'm not going to this movie sounds like a dope idea. Y'all tripping. Well, he this actually is... did, the the writer and director did actually, and the guy who started it did actually tag Marlon Wayans and say, LaQuisha, meet White Chicks. And Marlon said, please stop tagging me in this BS. Mm. It's the same thing, though. Well, that, Marlon, does, said, Marlon doesn't seem thing. to think so. But you know, I mean, listen, white women could have been offended by white chicks. White women could have been like, we don't act like that. That's stereotypical. They could have done the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah we're just always oppressed and, um, you know, always marginalized. But, yeah. 
Okay. Well, that's the thing. Like well, I said, it's, it's, a, it's an unwritten rule. It's an unwritten rule that that the uh, the oppressed can't. I mean, the oppressor can't do that to the oppressed, but the oppressed can do that to the oppressor. Just the way it is. Hello, who's this? Hi, my name is Janice. Hey, Janice, what are your thoughts on LaQuisha? I think it's offensive. Like number one, like just the name alone. Like that's the name he chose to, um, you know, like like that's the first thing he thinks he thought of um, when he thought of a black woman and. And then I think you can't compare it to white chicks because um, with white chicks, it was um, they were studying specific two specific white girls that they had to like you know what I mean pretend to be. He decided to become a black woman and a caricature. Hold on, y'all haven't even seen y'all have not even seen the movie yet because guess what we do radio and when we first start doing radio, what's the first who they who they tell you that we talking to? Tell me, Angela and Envy. Come on now. Who did who did who did these consultants and stuff tell us we talking to? Shaniqua from Newark, who got two kids. Okay, watches loving hip hop all damn day. So we don't know if in this movie this guy was talking to a radio consultant who told him the same thing. Yeah, but that's uh, not the only type of. Like, yeah, nobody want to like, talk. Boy, y'all some suckers. So uh, wait a second. <laughs> I think from what we saw in the trailer, it looks like he didn't get this job when he applied as a white man. So he decided to disguise his voice as a black woman, makes up the name Loquisha. That's what it looks the, like we, from the trailer. But we, but we haven't seen the movie. It's a trailer. In but we're movie, basing it off of what we know. But in the movie, no, come on, man. That's a small. That's but what small. we saw. Thank you, Janae. See, I, I see. I don't know, right? See, I, I'm been thinking y'all still ain't answer the question about who they tell us we're talking to oh, on yeah, this they, radio. They, they tell us we're talking to 18 to 34 year old African American woman. Is the name Shaniqua from Newark? I don't know if it's the name Shaniqua. I don't know if the name Shaniqua, but they're definitely from either Newark or Brooklyn. That's when we was only they in, watch loving hip hop all the time. That's when we was only in New York. <laughs> you know, that was nine years ago. We did that. I'm we, just saying. We syndicated now. So I'm just saying that that doesn't no, no longer apply to what we're talking about. I think there's a difference between a white man pretending to sound and talk like a black woman than knowing who your audience is. Were you ever offended by Shanene and Wanda when, when Martin used to do Shanene? Well, no, because he really is a, a black man that actually created those characters. But he's so making I think it's fun, a little but, different. But, but, it's, but it's still a stereotype of black women. From what I've seen and from what I know about this, I think it's just different to see a white man pretending to be a black woman than it is to see a black man doing what he did. And also Martin's a comedian. How do we know this guy's not a comedian? All right, well, let's open up the phone line. 800-585-1051. See, I, I'm, I'm torn because I, I do feel it's disrespectful and it's like it, it makes fun of our culture and fun of our black queens. But also, it is, it, it, it's jokes. Like, we all have jokes. Like, Living Color was jokes. We made fun of everybody in Living Color. They made fun of gay people. They made fun of black people. They I, made I fun that. of white people. It was funny then, but is it too sensitive now where we can't laugh? I don't know. I think I, 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 don't think, know. I think he should have had a black woman. I think front, if it was this yeah. whole thing, but and I think I think that this just sounds producer. like such a mockery but of it, what it is to be a black woman. That's true too. Does that make it better if it was a black woman? There, it's, it's still making a mockery of a black woman. Well, eight hundred. I'm a black woman radio host. Do I need to be named LaQuisha and talk like that? Eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. Call us now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. If you just joined us, we're talking LaQuisha. Now, what's Loquisha about, Yee? It's a movie about a white man who decides that he wants to get a job as a black woman radio host because that's what the ad was looking for. And so he decides to name himself Loquisha and adopt what he thinks sounds like a black woman and how an opinionated black woman would sound. Well, let's go and, to the phone. Well, hold on. Hold on, Sean. We got Coco on the line. Okay. Coco. No, this is Devin. Oh, I'm sorry. What, hey, what, Devin. What are you saying, Devin? I said I don't understand why people was mad because it sounds just like that movie, Sorry to Bother You. With the black I didn't see that. No, not th- not really. Cause sorry to bother you was about the black guy the adopting black guy the white voice to, to like sell more as a telemarketer. I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Pretty much the yeah. Same 
I ain't gonna yeah. lie. What I did tell him, all, you know, I had a definitely, I definitely had my white voice on. Hi, yeah. this is Sean from Pelco Fuel. How you doing today, sir? Exactly. Awesome. Had that voice. Yeah. It's really different it. because if you would say as a as a white person, right? If you wanted a job in telemarketing as a white man, could you be like, "Hey, my name's LaQuisha. I'm trying to get this job." Then what would happen nah. in real life? Nah, absolutely not. Okay. I don't know about that. So one. it's kind of the opposite. Hello, who's this? My name is Keith. Keith, what's up, man? We're talking about uh, Lokeisha. What, what, what do you think? What are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, man, I don't have no problem with that, man. Uh, yo, they just really did. Wasn't Black Klansman was like kind of like that same concept? Like, well, Homeboy was trying to uh, 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 change up his voice to be a white person to catch somebody or whatever. It was like that same scenario, right? I never saw Black Klansman. Like, I didn't see it. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, Black Klansman was good, man. That was a good movie. But then, I know. They, just I... Had a, like, a, they had, they had a, a, a recent movie like that same scenario. Charlamagne was right, too. Uh, uh, white Chicks. They have mad over stuff. Tawana, man. Would you have a problem if after seeing this movie, white men went around talking like they were Loquisha? No. We do the same thing to them all the time. (laughs) But it's a... I I would. I wouldn't want a white person to come up to me and be like, hey, sister girl. I hate when people do that. They do that now. Hey, you ever... And it's offensive. It's offensive now. You ever seen Empire? Listen, the problem is, there's an unwritten rule that the oppressor can't make films you know, about the oppressed. But the oppressed can do that to the oppressors. That's just the way it is, whether it's a man doing that to a woman, a straight person doing that to a gay person, a white person doing that to a black person. Like, you you just, it's, it never looks good. Do you, think never. A, you think a white man can know what it's like to be a black woman? No. And accurately the, portray that? I'm, but I'm sure that's the whole point of the movie. I'm sure by the end of this oh, movie, his whole spot gets blown up. I'm sure by the end of this movie, his whole spot gets blown up. Mike. Yeah, hey. Hey, what's up, bro? What are, you, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Loquisha? All right, I got I got three points. First of all, when I saw this thing, I, I'm like, this movie was made in 1985. I couldn't believe that someone put this out in 2019. One of my biggest disappointments was when you see the black in the movie. I can't believe any of them read the script and showed up for this casting. Believe that you know they would endorse something like this. I think that that was a huge problem. But honestly, the biggest plot hole is how many black women named LaQuisha are getting hired without a face-to-face interview. Right, that doesn't happen ever. We <laughs> haven't right. seen the movie. Well, that's what happens in the movie. He doesn't have a face-to-face interview. That's why he got hired, because he didn't know he was a white man. Well, well, listen, I'm not about to sit here and try to figure out a fictional movie. It's clearly no, that, a that movie. Is, that's part of the plot, is that he gets hired without them seeing him. But no, but I'm saying it's, pretends- a, it's a movie. I'm not going to pick apart a movie. Like, it's, we, we know it's for entertainment purposes. We know it's fictional. Hello, who's this? Uh, this is Micah. Micah, what's up, bro? What, what, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I, I, I want to see people keep that same energy when it comes to other movies. If, they, if they're going to be disgusted or something like this, you can't watch, like, The Black Klansman or White Chick or something like that. When, when it's, For one, it's a comedy, so ain't nothing serious about it. And two, it's, I mean, it's a movie. You can't take something that, that serious. Yeah, nobody defends black women. It don't have nothing to do with that. This is a movie. Like you get, to, you remember Sheesh. that old movie? Remember that old movie in '96 with Whoopi Goldberg called The Associate? We've seen Eddie Murphy play white people. Like, listen, the problem with this yeah. whole thing is they should have had a black woman behind it. It should have been a black woman executive producer. It should have been a black woman, black women writing on it. Like, that's the biggest issue here to me, is that this white guy yeah. is at the forefront of this. If they would have had a black woman attached to this, it wouldn't even be an issue. Yeah, that's, that's whack. It's so you so can disrespect the black woman, but you give a, a, a black woman some coin and then make it make it seem okay? Nah, it's, it's more than just having a, a black woman behind Who now, says it's disrespect? It's a movie. If black women are finding it disrespectful and don't like it, then it's disrespectful. I'm not a black woman, so I can't sit here and tell you what, what's, what's, how, right. how it makes well, me listen, feel. I mean, listen. some people are okay with this. Some people aren't. Would I go see this movie? No. 
We shouldn't we shouldn't air no more reruns of In Living Color. We shouldn't air no more reruns of Chappelle Show. We shouldn't air no more White Chicks, no more Juana Man. We shouldn't air uh, no more Martin because he did Shanae. Like, what are we talking about here? I just think it's a lot harder. It's not as easy as saying, for us as a black woman, it's not very often I'm like, hey, we're looking to hire a black woman who is sassy, opinionated to take this job, and then a white man who has a name like, who makes up a name like Loquisha and then starts talking in what he considers to be a black woman uh, sassy rhetoric, comes and gets a job is weird to me. That's all. It's a but to movie. me, it's weird. All right, guys. What, what, what's the moral I of the was, story? I, to the me, I, the, I wasn't cracking up when I seen it. Sorry. The moral of the story is y'all promoted the hell out of this white man's movie. My God, he's going to kill at the box office or Netflix or whatever the hell this is coming out. I on. doubt it. Now, you crazy. This movie about to pop. <laughs> it's about to pop right now. My goodness. All right. Well, we got rumors on the way? Yes, let's talk about, hey, you mentioned Whoopi Goldberg. Well, she has a new venture that she's working on, and we'll tell you what it is. It's about inclusivity. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. Gossip. The Rumor Report. Gossip. With Angela, Angela Yee. It's The Rumor Report. The Breakfast Club. Well, if you guys remember, Wendy Williams and Howard Stern used to have a great relationship, but then mm-hmm. they had a falling out, all because Wendy Williams was talking about Howard Stern's book coming out and said this on her show. Howard is so Hollywood right now that everything that you say is so predictable. Every story is going to be about, you know, oh, I love this one, and then we went on their yacht, and he's a Hollywood insider now, which sucks, because you're, you started, like me, being of the people, but at some point, you sat behind that microphone for too long, and now you are the people? Yeah, that's whack. If we're supposed to be friends, if we're supposed to be cool, and you feel that way, come to me first. Don't just say it on your show, and then don't expect me to, to clap back, because I'm going to clap back. Well, Howard Stern was triggered. And here's what he had to say on his show because it was brought to his attention and then he talked about it for like 40 minutes. What a <laughs> What a <laughs> bug-eyed <laughs> you. You got those big fake <laughs> and I'm Hollywood, huh? Shut the f*** up. Worry about your husband, not me. Sick of her. Her bullshit show. I'll bet 20 bucks she pees standing up. I hope her nuts get stuck in a zipper. I'd RuPaul before I'd her. I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. She makes RuPaul look like Margot Robbie. Now, I don't see nothing wrong with that. You tell you clap at me, I'm going to clap back. He just went a little far, but <laughs> he, took he did it, it very far. He said 40 minutes. He did it for like three hours. Well, Howard Stern has apologized. You know, he's um, said that he does apologize and is expressing love for her and all of that at the Hollywood on The Hollywood Reporter. Where did and he apologize? On The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, he apologized okay. in his article there. And Wendy Williams has responded to that apology on her show. And I saw that you mentioned me and that you apologized. Howard, you know what? If you never apologized to me ever in your life, you would still be one of the most influential people shaping my career. And the idea that you apologized and you went on the air, he went on the air and ripped me a new one for no damn reason because I knew I was right. And then in this article in Hollywood Reporter, he goes on to say, you know, that he loves me and that he's kind of embarrassed by ripping me on the air. So he's pulled that from the archives. You will never hear that on repeat. Well, it's the internet. It'll live on forever. Yeah, but we the whole, had it. But the whole thing is, is no, she still doesn't think she was wrong. And that's the thing. If we're friends, if we're cool, if we're compadres and you respect me so much and there's a problem... You should check me off air. Like, yo, I think your book is this, that, and the other. You know, not Well, she hadn't read the book. Me. She was just talking about him personally, that she feels that he's Hollywood now. And she didn't and even read the book. that offended him. She didn't even read the book to say, what, oh, you're going to be on your yacht with your celebrity friends? No, you didn't even read the book to see. I don't like that. 
We know. All right, now let's talk about Kodak Black. We talked about how he got arrested at the Rolling Loud Music Festival. According to the feds, they said he falsified gun applications on two different occasions in order to buy firearms. So that's why he was arrested and that he did acquire weapons in at least one of those transactions. And so that could land him in jail because he's also in the middle of a criminal case as well. <laughs> Wait a minute. Kodak Black forced... Uh, falsified. Uh, f- falsified documents to buy a gun? Yeah. And he doesn't know that they got to use fingerprints? I, listen, I can't tell you exactly how it all went I down, can't. but in one of those cases, he did manage to get a gun. Now, and he got one? In one of those cases, oh yes. Oh, my God. I can't, man. His lawyer, however, and I thought this was weird, too, because you saw how they had that picture of him when he was in custody, yes. arrested. Mm-hmm. How did that picture get out? So his lawyer has an issue with the Florida Police Department for sharing that arrest photo of him where he's sitting in the police station and that got sent out to all the different news stations and everything. So why would you do that? Clearly they're trying to embarrass him because I didn't know you could just put out pictures like that. I didn't think so either. All right, DJ Khaled is putting out an album experience uh, documentary, his Father of Assad, the album experience documentary. So he's teaming up with Tidal and he's going to do a lot of content for this album release. So that documentary will come out this Friday on Tidal as well. So the trailer is available now also. You don't have to have a subscription to watch that either. So... Jay-Z's on the trailer, Meek Mill mm-hmm. says it, and a lot more. Shout out to Khaled. So a lot of people don't give Khaled the necessary respect he deserves. He took the DJ game and upped it up one, and he continues to work hard. And Khaled gets busy. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Khaled's not really a DJ. No, Khaled gets busy as well. So salute to Khaled. He's more than a DJ. He is. All right, and Diddy is saying goodbye to social media for now. He posted back off the grid. And then he put a black heart in the caption. I know he's going through a lot right mm-hmm. now, and social media may not be the best place. I see people coming for him about how he treated Kim Porter and da-da. Like, leave it alone. It's not necessary. His kids are seeing this. He's seeing it. He's clearly hurt. So he's decided just to take a break from that. And I think that's good for your own energy. Right. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your Rumor Report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Revolt, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. We got a lot of requests for the City Girls joint, so we'll start off the Which mix one? with that. Acting up. Okay. All right, it's the Breakfast Club. Act Good morning. Up. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, um, thank you to Ava DuVernay for joining us this morning. Man, salute the Queen, Ava. Uh, you know, I, I got nothing but love and respect for Ava DuVernay. I would love to hear what Ava would have to say about uh, LaQuisha as a, as, a, as a, you know, the black creative that she is, director, boss that she is. I wonder what she would say about the, the trailer to the movie LaQuisha. I'm sure she'll tweet about it or something mm-hmm. if it comes across her radar. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, shout to everybody that, um, you know, we do the real estate seminars where we try to teach people about real estate and try to, try to give them an opening on how to invest so they can actually start... Uh, the venue that we had in Jersey, it was so many people that wanted to come. We had to move the location. So um, we had to move it to a bigger location, and we still damn near almost all the seats are gone. So we appreciate you guys, and hopefully you guys will learn about real estate and start investing in yourself so you can have generational wealth, so you can have uh, some kind of income for your kids, for yourself. So uh, shout to all you guys. All right? Eventbrite, if you want more information about all the uh, seminars that we're doing. I know we're doing one in Chicago, New Orleans, uh, L.A., Charlotte, and New Jersey this Sunday, all right? When we come back, we got your positive note. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. You got a positive note? Yes, I do, man. Uh, my pos- Well, first of all, I want to tell everybody, salute to everyone who's been watching Emerging Hollywood on The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, we got a new episode up with Jamila Jamil. 
where we talk about a lot of different things, um, you know, when it comes to, like, diversity in Hollywood, uh, female inclusion, all of that good stuff. And I got another one dropping this Thursday, okay? So salute to everybody who's been watching it. Now, the positive note is simply this. Growth is painful. Change is painful. But nothing is as painful as staying stuck somewhere you don't belong. 